right, this is what Mark chapter 8, verse 1 says. There's two words in here that just really, they seal the deal for me as we got ready for today's message. About this time, another, say another. Another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. This is a different story than when Jesus fed the 5,000. But it's very similar in context and in consequence. And I just felt that as we step into another year, we will face some of the same challenges again. We will face new challenges for the first time. And while it is another year, how many of you know that when you flip the cage, the page on the calendar or when you scroll up in Google Cal and it says January 1st, 2021, that while the year may be different, the month may different, uh, be, be different, the, the date may be different, but ultimately, that's really about all that's changed. So as we unpack the rest of this story this morning, I want to encourage you to be open to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you today. Maybe he wants to do something again. Maybe he wants to do something for the first time. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you for your presence, for your spirit. And God, we ask that as we continue to worship you, as we continue to look to you, that you would minister, that you would move. God, I could preach the best sermon that's ever been preached. But Lord, if it lacks your touch, it means nothing. And so God, today I'm not leaning on my understanding. I'm not leaning on what I have to offer. But today, God, we as a body in this room gathered online today, we are leaning on you. We are trusting in you. We are believing, God, that you want to do a work in us, that you want to do a work through us. And God, we believe it begins with your word. God, not my words, but your word to us today. And so God, speak to us, inspire us, encourage us, challenge us, God. But most of all, be with us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. And life, I said, amen. Amen. You can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. About this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food. As you can probably tell by looking at me, I have not been hungry in a long time. But I've been without. Not really mostly my material needs, but I've been without things that I needed, sometimes that I didn't even realize that I needed. I am... Anybody do anything special for New Year's? Wow, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Hashtag pandemic. You know, what did you say? Hashtag tired. How many of you woke up and it was the New Year versus stayed up for the New Year? Raise your hand. You woke up and it was 2021. Y'all the smart people. 
Y'all the people that everybody else needs to start taking advice from. Um, I used to stay up. I mean, I was up this year too, but that's just because my wife was making something and I was playing a video game. But I used to, I used to stay up and like, have this moment where I was like, oh, it's a new year, it's a new day, blah, 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 blah. Can I tell you guys something really corny? You promise you won't make fun of me about it later? I don't believe you. I used to, when I was in, when I was in school, elementary school, by the time I got to high school, I grew out of this. When I was in like elementary school and junior high, I don't even know if I want to tell you this. I would write myself a note and put it in my textbook because I didn't take my books home with me. You know what I mean? Why would you do that? That's stupid. And, and I, would, I would be like, I would say something and I would talk about how the next year was going to be the best year ever. And, and then I would, I would like say, see you next year, future Drew. Yeah, I was cool like that. I used to, even like last year, write like an elaborate list of dreams and resolutions. Anybody got any New Year's resolutions this year? Don't be ashamed. Raise your hand. What? Nobody. <laughs> Nobody in the room. Carlos. Anybody else? Julie? Oh, you're just scratching your head. Anti-dandruff shampoo will help with that. Dustin's got a resolution. Monica kind of. That's not, if, you, if you don't know for sure, it's not a resolution. My, uh, uh, Megan's got a resolution. She got two resolutions. Overachiever, you're such an eight. If you guys haven't studied the Enneagram, you just missed out on a cool inside joke. I'm telling you, man, I used to write out, I would have like 20 resolutions. You know how many I got this year? I just want to be less fat by the end of this year than I was at the beginning of this year. Used to, I would say, I want to like lose a pound a week. This, this year, I'll take anything. Give me, give me five pounds in 12 months. I'll take it. I'm good with that. It's called being 35 and having three kids and your wife cooks really good. Yep, I'm just telling you. Come on, somebody. But I didn't really come up with any great resolutions. I, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, I wonder if 2020 broke me. I was like, <laughs> I, was like I just, nah, I just want to make it. Let's just make it through it. I think really what's happening is I've grown and matured and went through some things, and I think many of you can relate, is that the new year means a whole lot less than it used to to me. And I don't mean that negatively. I don't mean that in a depressing way. I don't mean that in a discouraging way. I just have grown to understand the truth, the fact that flipping the calendar, it doesn't really make any difference unless you're willing to change something. And I was thinking, and maybe, maybe this is the new way I'm approaching this. I didn't think so much about what I wanted to accomplish in 2021, but rather what I have been doing has been reflecting and trying to think about what I learned in 2020 and how that lesson and those lessons can, can help me move forward and, 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 and have a better 2021 than, a 20, than I did in 2020, a better year. That's, 
And this is what it all boiled down to. And you guys have probably heard some of this from me if you've listened to any of my messages. But it's just because what you hear on Sundays ultimately is an overflow of what the Lord does in me throughout the week. So I'm sorry, I can't really help that. That's just who I am. If, you, if, if that's not what you like, then this, this is not the church for you. I'm sorry, I mean, I mean that lovingly, but what you hear and what you see is what you get. And, and so you may have already heard some of this, but, but ultimately what it boiled down, what did I learn in 2020? First and foremost, I, I even wrote it down because I don't wanna mess it up. This, here's my mistake. I allowed circumstances outside of my control to control circumstances within my control. That was the greatest mistake that I made in 2020. And the lesson that I learned is that I allowed things that I could not control to control things that I could control. I hope so. We're going to try it. If it doesn't, let me know at the end. I have no doubt. You get some water on that one. I hope they can hear you in the live stream. It would explain a lot if they can. If not, then it won't. But I allowed things that I could not control to control my physical health, my emotional health, my relational health, my spiritual health. And you know, we can talk about 2020 and go, oh man, it's such a bad year, blah, blah, blah. But ultimately, it's only a bad year if you allowed it to be a bad year. Now, I'm, not trying to, I'm not trying to downplay the, I mean, we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people sick. We're talking about thousands of people without jobs. We're talking about tragic deaths. I'm not, I'm not in any way trying to downplay the severity and the pain and the heartache and the turmoil from political to social and economic issues, medical issues. I'm not, trying to, I'm not trying to undermine any of those things. But ultimately, life, more times than not, is what you choose to make of it. And more times than not, I think what we do where we mess up, I, I, maybe I'm the only one, but I think, that, I think that many of us are guilty of this exact same mistake, that we allow stuff that we cannot touch with our worry, that we cannot touch with our complaining, that we cannot impact with our words or our actions to control how we think, how we speak, how we feel, how we pray, how we talk, how we love, how we care. And what it ultimately does is it leads us to a place where we look back at a year and we, we call it a bad year, but the only reason it was a bad year for most of us, not everybody, for most people, is because we allowed it to be. It's because we made that decision to allow things that we cannot control, to control things that we can control. And flipping the page on the calendar doesn't mean anything unless you are willing to change. I heard a man once say, he said, change only happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of transformation. True change only happens when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of transformation. It reminds me of the thing, you know, Facebook's got its cons, 
but it also has its pros. We're, we're streaming this message today on Facebook. We're, we're able to share encouraging things on Facebook. One of these things that I saw on Facebook that really like just like hit me hard, convicted me, challenged me, inspired me. And some of y'all, I think some of you have even shared it. It's, you know, it said, choose your heart, you know? It said, you know, being in debt's hard, being disciplined to a budget's hard. Being in shape is hard, uh, but being out of shape can also be hard, you know, physically. You know, having a good marriage takes hard work, uh, but going through divorce is also very hard. And I, I just, I just as, I, as I think about this past year, and I think about the mistakes that I made where I allowed things outside of my control to control things that I could control, I, I, just, I really had this gut check moment with myself. Okay, Drew, it's time to choose your heart. It's time to, to make the choices that are not easy to make, but the choices ultimately when December 31st, 2021 gets here, I can look back at the year and feel a whole lot better than I did about it, regardless of what happens in our world, regardless of what happens in our country, regardless of what happens to our economy, regardless of what happens with COVID-19, regardless of what happens with our government, and say, okay, this has been a good year. Because I controlled what I could control, but I didn't allow the things outside of my control to control those things. And I, I believe that if we all adopt a similar mentality, and, and maybe you already have, maybe you have arrived. I don't know. But I'm learning that nothing changes unless I change. So one more time, can we pray? That was my intro. Pray for me that I would not botch the rest of this message. Dustin's really put the pressure on me this morning. <laughs> Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share your word. God, I pray that it builds faith. I pray that it challenges us to draw closer to you with our everyday life. God, I pray that it encourages us to seek you more um, each and every single day of our life. And God, I pray that it provokes love, more love for you and more love for each other. And we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks, bro. Nothing changes unless you change. And the mistake that we make is we try to change things, right? We try to change other people. We try to change people's opinions and their points of view. We try to change circumstances, but ultimately, the change that we should be most, if not even only worried about, is the change that happens inside of us. And unless we change, nothing will change. And the storms, the challenges, the failures, the pain, the problems of 2020 will follow you into 2021, 2022, and so on and so, so forth, unless you take responsibility for who you are, where you are, and how you are, and choose to change yourself. Nothing in your life will change until you realize that the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of transformation. Going back to Mark 8, I just want to, I'm going to work through the, I think about 10 verses here in Mark 8. We're just kind of, we're just going to let the Bible preach itself today. This is what it said again in verse 1, about this time, another, say that word again, another, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. Say again. It's 2021 and another 
crisis arises and we find ourselves stuck in the middle of a problem again. Now, you might think, man, this is, this is really not the encouragement I wanted for the first Sunday in January. But let's just be honest. We've got to be real about this, right? I mean, life happens. Problems happen. Nothing really changed uh, at midnight on December 31st. So if we unpack this a little further, here's what it says. About this time, another large crowd had gathered and the people ran out of food again. Jesus called his disciples and he told them, I feel sorry for these people. Other translations say he had compassion on them. It's not like pity sorry. It's like compassion sorry. I have compassion on them. They have been here with me for three days and they have nothing left to eat. If I send them home hungry, they will faint along the way for some of them have come a long distance. Man, can I just stop right there? And say, you know, a lot of us have, and this isn't my message, but I feel like this is worth saying, and maybe you need to hear it today. Um, a lot of us, myself included, more times than not, we live with this perception that God is like always looking at us, always, you know, looking at our life under, under a, a magnifying glass, waiting for us to drop the ball. And when we do, he's there looking over, you know, his heavenly throne, looking down at us with a disappointed face, upset with us, mad at us pointing that finger at us, telling us how it should have been, how we should have behaved, how, how we should have acted. I just want to put this out here today. That's not how he is. He's compassionate. When you fall, when you, when, you, when you fail, when you mess up, when life happens, when circumstances get you down, he's not the one that, that says, <clears throat> I told you so. That's not his heart. That's not his nature. He's a good father. He cares about you. So when you find yourself in a situation where Maybe you're not physically hungry, but maybe you're without something that you feel like you need. You can take confidence in knowing that he is a compassionate God. If I send them home hungry, they're going to faint along the way for some have come a long distance. It's interesting to me that this story is recorded twice in the Gospel of Mark. And, why, and a few reasons why it's interesting. One is because Mark is a very short and concise gospel compared to the other three. It, it, it leaves out a lot of details compared to Matthew and Luke and John. It, it doesn't go into the depth, especially of John. It doesn't, it doesn't cover the Jewish traditions anywhere near uh, to the scope of Matthew. And it doesn't cover the Greek understanding of, of what would become Christianity nearly as much as Luke does. But here, Mark takes a moment and he says, you know what, even though I wasn't there, I've heard Peter talk about it. If you'll remember, we actually, we, we learned that, that Peter is the one that is the source material for the Gospel of Mark. Peter, uh, or excuse me, Mark was a follower of Peter and he probably heard Peter preach sermons and tell stories about the, the life of Jesus and about his time following Jesus. And so Mark, as he, as he writes his, his account of the gospel, he takes time as he reflects upon the stories that Peter told him, and he remembers the time, not when Jesus fed 5,000, but the time that Jesus fed 4,000. It's just interesting to me that the same basic story with the same basic premise, the same basic principles that you can learn are repeated twice in the same gospel, left like a page apart, right? It's like right there. It's, it's, it's just right there. Two, like one and a half chapters away, you can go back and you can read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. And I, I just thought about this, you know, what happens when you fail a test? 
Say it again. You take it again. And I thought, okay, God, I don't need to preach this message again. I don't need to preach this story again. We just heard that a few weeks ago. And he said, I, I just, you know, this is the best way I can describe it. I just, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, you know, if I, if I saw fit to put it in Mark's gospel twice, why can't you preach it twice? And maybe, maybe the disciples didn't get it the first time. In fact, I can tell you that they didn't because they made the same mistakes that they did a chapter and a half ago right here in this story. Lessons that we learn as we read this is that storms, the problems, the hard times, the tests, the trials, they keep coming, right? I mean, how many of you have ever been, you know, just living your life, doing your thing, and you'll go through something? And here's the thing about when you go through something. It might be something small, but when you're in the middle of it, it doesn't feel that way, does it? It never feels small. You might tell a friend or tell somebody else, and if, if, they're, if they're not thinking right, they'll say something like, well, that's not really that big of a deal. And you're like, yeah, it is. <laughs> and there's even been times, maybe, maybe you can relate to this, where I have gone through some junk. I mean, some deep stuff. And, and, but internally, by the grace of God, it didn't impact me that deeply. I would tell somebody else about it, and they'll be like, oh my goodness, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. You know what I'm talking about? It's so, it, I, we're just, I think that's just how we handle things sometimes. But, the, but have you ever gone through something, then get through that something, to only go through something else almost immediately, and go, my goodness, can I ever get a break? Anybody, can I get a witness? But isn't that life? Isn't that life, though? For everybody. The hard truth is that while 2020 was difficult for almost everybody, there's no denying that 2021 is also going to have its share of challenges. That may not sound like good news to you, but the good news is that you don't have to face it alone. You have, we just celebrated Christmas. You know, one of the names for Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us in every situation, in every circumstance, he's there with you. I'm so thankful for my Lifehouse family that, that we can be there for one another. Ultimately, I have learned and am learning and will probably continue to learn that, that changing the calendar really doesn't change anything. Changing the way I think changes everything, though. This is what, this is how the story continues. I want to read verses 4 through 9 of Mark 8. And this is so funny to me because literally, you're talking just a few verses back. They go through a very similar story. So Jesus says, I want to feed these people. His disciples replied, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? You know, if I was one of the disciples, here's, here's how I think, or at least I want to believe I would have handled the situation. I probably wouldn't have. Because just like the disciples and just like most of you, I'm a slow learner. 
But this is how I want to believe I would have handled the situation. Which disciple should I be? Don't say Judas. Anybody? Peter. All right, cool. Yeah, Peter. I can get on board with that. All right, so Peter's sitting there, and he just heard Jesus say, okay, we've got to feed all these people. And, and, and so I sit there, and I go, okay, all right, we've, we've been here before. We've done this. All right, first step, we've got to go find somebody. We've got we to gotta have something to start with. So, so I go beat up another kid like Andrew did. Go back and read the story. He beat him up, took his lunch money. And I take his food, and I'm like, here, Jesus, do the, do the whole thing you did. Do the thing. Do the, do the, do the, do the thing. That's what he did, right? He took the bread and he just, you know, here you go, here's some fish for you. That's how I vision it. That's how I read the Bible. If you don't read the Bible that way, your life is boring. Get over it. <laughs> By the way, if you want to read the Bible with us online as a church, go to our Facebook page, our Facebook group. AJ may have already covered it. I couldn't hear him because I had things in my ears. But did you cover it? He forgot. He forgot. So good. This is the first time you've heard it. Go to our group, Facebook group, and you can go to a link there, and you can read the Bible with anybody in our church who's wanting to do that uh, through the year of 2021. It's only January 3rd, so you've only got a few days to catch up on if you haven't done it already. Anyway, that's how you should read the Bible. It's fun. It's interesting. You know, give them people, give those characters a little attitude, and it just makes everything so much funner. So I'm Peter. And I think, okay, I got to go find some food. I got to give it to Jesus. Jesus is going to do the thing. He's going to give the food away. And then guess what? Guess what's going to happen at the very end of this? I'm going to get fed. Because Peter's hungry too. I mean, listen, like, I can go in that room right now and get more food than any single one of those disciples was probably able to get in a month. We got food everywhere. Just but they didn't have food like that. So, so Peter's hungry. And so Peter's thinking, all right, I'm going to do, do what I did last time. I'm going to learn from the story that we went through before. I'm going to find some food. I'm going to give it to Jesus. Jesus is going to do his multiplication thing. And then ultimately, your boy is going to get fed. This is going to be a good day. But his disciples replied, apparently Peter, as you have termed him, was not paying attention in this moment. He said, how are we supposed to find enough food to feed them out here in the wilderness? Jesus asked them the question that, that, that he should have asked them. He said, well, how much do you have? How much bread do you have? They said, we got seven loaves. So Jesus told all the people to sit on the ground. Then he took the seven loaves. He thanked God for them. He broke them into pieces. He gave them to his disciples who then distributed the bread to the crowd. This is interesting to me right here, though. This next verse, verse number seven, is very, very, very interesting to me. A few small fish were found too. So Jesus also blessed these and told the disciples to distribute them. They ate as much as they wanted. Afterward, the disciples picked up seven large baskets of leftover food. There was about 4,000 men in the crowd that day, and Jesus sent them home after they had eaten. I just, just a few reflections on this verse. You can write these down as points. I, I, this is just things that came to my mind as I read through this. How do you change your thinking? Like in, in general, in life, you know, how, how do you change the way you think? Because ultimately, I, I could probably trace back 90% of the problems that you talk about in your everyday life back to the way that you see them, those problems. I could probably trace 90% of the stuff that you would deem wrong with your life back to the way you think about your life. 
I'm no different. I'm the same way. I'm not preaching at you. I'm, we're, we're all in this together, right? So how do you change your thinking? First of all, you gotta stop asking the wrong questions. You know, when I go through hard times, I kind of I approach it like the disciples did here, even though I want to say I would be like Peter that we talked about earlier and I would have all the right answers. But more times than not, I find myself like the disciples here in Mark chapter eight. I ask the wrong questions. And the first question that I often ask is this, what is the quickest way to get from point A to point B with as little pain as possible? Not with the Lord. <laughs> Thank you so clever. <laughs> you guys are very talkative today on this side of the room. I need to just stick to the amens. Okay, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. How can I get through this again? We look for the shortest route, right? But God looks for the greatest impact. We look for like, what's the quickest? What's the most pain-free? What's going to get me to where I want to go the quickest, easiest, without having to go through a bunch of junk in the process? But, but, but God is far more concerned about the journey than he is the destination. He's far more concerned about impacting your life than he is paving the road for you just to freely walk about it. So the first wrong question is, how, how am I going to get through this? Stop, stop asking that question. When, when you get the phone call, when you get the text, when you get the email... Don't ask the question, how am I going to get through this? The second question that I ask that it's not the right question is, why? Why? Which I have heard that question so much more after having kids. Why is this happening? It's a new year. It's a new season. I started a new job or I went to a new church. I got this new diet I'm on. Not really, I need to, but I don't. I got a new wife, a new husband, but here I am again, going through the same junk I went in the last marriage. That's hard, isn't it? Can I just tell you, I've already told you, but let me tell you again. And don't let this discourage you. But life is hard. There's, there's not a person that I know that has an easy life. Now, we don't think that, though. We look at other people's lives. We look at their possessions. We look at the way, you know, their family treats one another. We look at their job. And we think to ourselves, man, they've got a great life. And, and, and let me just tell you, like, I think, honestly, I got a great life. I really do. I wouldn't trade with any of y'all, even if you do have a boat. <laughs> I don't think you do, though. Derek, you got a boat yet? Bro, you need to work on that. <laughs> I don't want that kind of boat. <laughs> I, want to go fa I want to go fast boat. <laughs> Although I will gladly go with you fishing if you want to, Carlos. But like, we do that though. We look at other people's lives. We, we compare, we contrast. We think, man, they've got a great life. They've got it all together. But can I just give you some peace of mind? They don't. If you know me, you sure as heck know I don't. 
Nobody does. Their life is imperfect just like yours. They may not have the same problems that you have. They may not have the same struggles that you have. But trust me, they got problems and they got struggles just the same. And, and, and Jesus, he, you know, Jesus makes lots of promises in Scripture, right? Let me share with you one of his most profound, but also not my favorite promise. This is what he says in John 16, 33. I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. Oh, it sounds pretty good, right? Yay, we got peace in God. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows. Okay, all right, Jesus. Why'd you have to keep talking? But take heart, because I have overcome the world. The wrong questions are, how can I get through this, and why is this happening? It seems like a right question, but, but it's not, because that's actually the question the disciples asked of Jesus here in, in Mark chapter 8. But Jesus teaches us the right questions. Here, here's the right question. Uh, here's one of the right questions, anyway. Instead of asking, how do I get through this, ask God, what are you teaching me right now? What are you showing me in the middle of this pain, in the middle of this situation, in the middle of of the thing that I'm going through? And and sometimes the reason why you're going through the thing that you're going through, and you may have already gone through something similar to it, just like the disciples did. You know, a chapter and a half ago, they're going through 5,000 plus people that need food. Now here they are, Mark chapter 8, going through 4,000 plus people that need food. And we do that, right? We go through these different seasons, but so often the problems stay the same. And here's the question you need to ask. What are you teaching me this time that I didn't learn last time? What are you trying to show me in 2021 that I didn't learn in 2020? And maybe that's why I'm going through the same thing. Again, it's kind of like the deal, uh, you know, it's kind of like the person who, who gets the new job and just like their old job and the job before, they start having issues with their boss. And eventually, you have to start asking yourself, maybe it's not the boss, maybe it's the employee. (laughs) The GM in the back starts getting vocal during the message all of a sudden. That's hilarious. What are you teaching me in this situation? Maybe it's something that I didn't get the first time I went through it. And you guys have heard me say this, but... I think it bears repeating. What God is doing in you is greater and more important than what God is doing for you. We don't like that. Man, that, that's like, give me that prosperity gospel. You know, that, that, that message that just says, you know, Jesus wants to bless me and prosper, and he does. Can I tell you that he does? That's not, that's not false information. It's just incomplete information. But his blessings don't look like your blessings. My blessings look like a big bank account. His blessings look like teaching me how to make a budget. And when we face challenges, we see them in obstacles, as obstacles, in the way of where I want to be. But when God allows challenges in our life, he sees them as a way of making us who he wants to be. Should I repeat that? I think I should. When we face challenges, we often see them as obstacles in the way of where we want to be. On the flip side, though, when God allows challenges in our life, he sees them as a way of making us who he wants to be. 
So once again, what he does in me is of far greater value to him than what he does for me. You know what I mean? If God, if God wants to bless you, he can bless you. That's not hard for him. But that's not his greatest desire for you. His greatest desire for you is to change you, to see you become more like Christ. And that's not easy. Second question that you ask the Lord when you're going through tough times. First one is, what are you teaching me? Second one is, what is your purpose? My pastor used to say, he said, God's purposes will always be accomplished even if his plans don't always come to pass. I think I can get behind that. What's your purpose, God? Because this is something else that you really need to know is that not only are you going through the thing that you're going through because of what he's wanting to do in you, but you're also going through the thing that you're going through because he wants to use you to minister to somebody else in some way, somehow. Nothing in your life is ever truly an isolated event. So, so there's always, even if it's hard to see, even if it takes weeks, years to even understand it, there's always a purpose in the pain. And lastly, what do you want me to do next? This is, this is so good to me. This, th- I want to camp out on this one because this one, this, one like, this one shook me a little bit. Like personally, like really just got in my soul and I thought, okay, this is a word that I need to hold on to for a while. When we face a problem, when we go through hard times, when 2020 hits, you know, whatever, we want a solution, right? Like, okay, my health is in trouble. Please heal my body. And that's okay. To, I'm not, please, you know, I'm saying that's, that's okay, right? Or I lost my job. I need a new job. We want a solution. I don't think he's actually the God of solutions. I think he's the God of steps. Now, I'm not saying that in the moment that he can't heal you. I'm not saying that in the moment he can't provide for your every need just like that. And he does, and he has. He's done it for me before. I, listen, I, I, I can tell you stories upon stories of when my wife and I were first married and literally had nothing but debt to our name. Anybody ever been there? And I would go to the mailbox and find checks for thousands of dollars from things and people that I had no idea that, I, that even knew me. So I do know that he's the God that can provide. He's the God that can heal. He's the God that can make a way. He's the God that can do exceedingly abundantly above anything I could ever think or ask. But more times than not, he's not the God of a solution. He's the God of a next step. And we don't like that preaching as much because it doesn't feel as good. 
Because what that means is that something is going to be required of me for me to get the, to the place or to accomplish the thing that I want to get or that I want to have. Right? That's not, that's not fun preaching, but it's true. It's also in the Bible. He doesn't give solutions, he gives steps. The psalmist said the exact same thing, just like this. Your word is a lamp to guide my feet. And it is a light for my path. It's the God of the flashlight, right? He doesn't show you every step of the way, but he'll show you the next one. He doesn't show you exactly where he's taking you, but he'll show you where you need to go next. I love this. Jesus asked, how much bread do you have? Seven loaves. The following may sound repetitive. If you remember the message when Jesus fed the 5,000 a few weeks ago, but once again, if God saw fit to put it in the word twice, I think it's good enough for us to hear it again. So, real quick, I just, I just wanna give you these real fast. I'm not gonna dive too deep into them. When, when this again, that's the title of the message anyway, today, this again, that's, I, I didn't tell you. But now you know, right? Now you know. When this again happens, when you enter into a new year and you not only wanna change um, the calendar, but you actually want to see your life change a little bit. What do you do? Well, first of all, you start where you are. Verse 5, Jesus asks, how much bread do you have? What do you have? Like, own where you are. I think a lot of us really mess that up because we don't like where we are, so we don't want to think about where we are. We don't talk about where we are. We just want to talk about where we want to be, but if we don't start where we are, we'll never get to where we want to go. Simple, logical, but easy to, easy to skip. We get tempted to dwell on what we can't change. Start thinking about what we wish was different or even where we wish we were. We miss the hard truth is the only way I can get to where I want to be is by starting where I am right now. And remember, he's a God who loves you where you are right now. And I think that's what we often forget. God does not love a future version of you. God doesn't love the version of you that reads your Bible like you should, that prays like you should, that fasts eight days a week like you should. Some of y'all will get that in a minute. God doesn't love 2030 version of you. He loves January 3rd, 2021 at 11.23 a.m. version of you. With all your problems, all your mess-ups, all your mistakes, all the things that you one day wish you could be and hope to be, no, no, no. He loves you. And if he can love you right where you are, then, then I think you can love you right where you are. So start where you are. Step two, do what you can. Right? Oh, this is so profound, right? Do what you can. Jesus told all the people to sit on the ground. It, it seems silly, right? But, but that's what they could do in that moment. Can I just be like super practical? Like, 
Maybe, you're, maybe you want to get out of debt this year. Write a budget. I almost don't even want to say it because you might think that I'm trying to like, like put this into the message, but I'm not. I just believe it personally because I do it personally. The first thing that you need to put in your budget is your tithe. I mean, like, you might think, oh, that's just a pastor up there. I was, I was, you know, I did something so stupid last night. I posted something on Twitter. It was just a weak moment. If there's ever been a cesspool of society, it is Twitter. I posted a picture of my living room with my TV and stuff. And somebody commented and said, oh, this is just another pastor using the people's gifts to buy himself stuff. And I thought, like, are you serious? Like, first of all, my mama gave me that one thing. But anyway, so please know that I'm not, I don't, I don't, this church don't need your money. We're blessed. But the reason why I tell you to tithe is because I tithe and because I know it works. I got my stimulus check in. You know what I did? Where's my phone at? I went to text to give on my phone. I'm not, as God is my witness. This was not planned and I'm not trying to get you to tithe if you're not tithing. I'm just telling you the gospel truth. Not as I just know it personally, but as I have lived it personally. I took my phone and I looked up the number for text to give to Lifehouse Church. I put tithe. I'll just tell you, I got $3,000. Praise God. That's not a secret. I've got three kids and and you know how much it was. You know what? I, I tithed $300. Because that's what a tithe is. It's not a tip. It's a tithe. It's a tenth. And so I gave God, not Lifehouse, I gave God the first fruits of my life. If you're reading the Bible with us, we just read uh, in Genesis, I believe Genesis chapter 4, maybe chapter 5, I can't remember. This is not part of my message, so I don't have it on notes. But but it talks about Cain and Abel. And, And I always thought for so long that the reason why God honored uh, Abel's sacrifice over Cain's sacrifice was that was that Abel brought an actual animal to be sacrificed, and Cain brought like some some vegetables and fruits. And listen, God likes meat, y'all. That's why I'm not a vegetarian. I want to be like the Lord. But but if you'll actually read it, that is not the problem that God had with Cain's sacrifice because this is what it says go look it up go read it the Bible says that Cain brought some of his harvest to the Lord Abel found the best the first fruits the beginning the best that he had and then he brought it to the Lord and God does not want your some he wants your best he wants your first fruits anyway didn't mean to do that I'm sorry if you want to get out of debt write a budget tithe, save some money, stop buying stuff you can't afford. If you want to lose weight, can I get an amen? Commit to a new diet. Go for a walk. Maybe eat less pizza. I don't know. I don't like this sermon now.
And when life gets outside of your control, like when things happen that you can't control, and they will. I don't know what's going to happen this year. I don't know what 2021 is going to look like. All I know is I'm glad I did not preach a 2020 vision sermon series last January. I'd feel really dumb now if I did. (laughs) But I do know this. There's going to be things that are going to happen to you. There's going to be things that will happen to us that aren't going to be great. It's a guarantee. You're either going to see Jesus face to face very soon or you're going to be alive and you're going to have to deal with life. And when those things happen, just focus on what you can control. I can control my attitude. I can control the way I think. I can control the way I see. I can control the way I speak to people. Some of y'all need to hear this. I can control the way I speak to myself. Do what you can do. Step three, give him what you have. I love that verse seven. A few small fish were found too. I would venture to say that most of us got a whole lot more going for us than we realize. If we would just look a little bit. Step four, maintain a heart of gratitude. Jesus, and, and that's funny. You think, oh, that's not a big deal. But, but you have to realize This is why it's a big deal. Jesus thanked God for seven pieces of bread and a few small fish when there were 4,000 plus people to feed. If you cannot thank God when you don't have enough, you will never have enough. And whatever whatever it may be. Maintain a heart of gratitude. Step five, trust his process. Jesus took what was given to him and he broke it. Oh, that doesn't sound good. The it's like, when we had to shut our church down, man, that, and I've talked about this. Forgive me if you are tired of hearing my stories, but I don't know yours. So I, can, I can only tell mine. It broke me. I mean, it did. But the lessons that I am and have learned wouldn't exist if it weren't for the breaking. And lastly, certainly not least, do what he says. Do what he says next. Because more times than not, he's only going to show you a step. You might be praying for a solution, but he usually just gives you a step. So after you complete that step, say, okay, Lord. So Jesus gave them to the disciples, gave the bread, gave the fish who then distributed the bread to the crowd. Do what he said. And if if you don't know, if like he hasn't told you anything, wait. Wait on the Lord. Immediately after this, verse 10, 
he got into the boat with his disciples and crossed over to the region of, I'm not, I'm not even going to try to say that, Delmanutha. I tried it. I don't know if that's right. Which is funny to me because that to me seems like a transitional sentence, right? Because we're actually, we're, we'll probably go into it next week, what happens in the rest of Mark chapter 8. It's really great. But it's not a transitional sentence. It's showing us that when you follow Jesus, you may have times of rest, but you'll never stop. The minute you stop moving forward, you're going to start moving backwards. So, I want to invite you to stand with me this morning. I want to pray for you right now. Sincerely, that 2021 would be the best year of your life. But I don't want to pray that you'll get all the things that you want to get or that you're going to accomplish all of the goals on your checklist. I want to pray for you that 2021 will be the most transformative year of your life. That the Lord will do deep surgery on you. Revealing to you places in your life that you have yet to commit to Him. Revealing to you places in your life where you have not followed Him totally and wholly. Not as a God who's mad at you or upset at you, but as, as who He is, a good Father, a loving Father who wants the best for you in everything. But if, if you've ever dealt with children, you know that, that kids, they don't have a clue what's best for them. I don't think we're so different. Would you bow your heads with me? First and foremost, if there's anybody in this room that is far from Jesus, and today you want to invite Jesus into your life to make you new, to forgive you of your sins, and today you want to begin again in Him, would you lift your hand high in the air so I can pray for you? Is there anybody? I see you, bro. Is there anybody? Is there anybody else? I see you back there, fellow. Anybody else? Men of God. Father, I pray for these two men of God. Church, would you just pray this prayer with me right now? Just pray, dear Jesus, come into my life. Forgive me of my sin and help me to live for you. Every day and everything I do, and everything I do all, for you. all for you. Now, I want to pray for the rest of you. I just, I'm not going to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes, but I just want to ask you right now to just lift up hands of worship to him. Lord Jesus, as we in this moment worship you with our, our physical bodies, with, with our spirits, God, I just pray over this entire congregation that's here today, as well as everyone who is watching this message today or watching after the fact or listening, Lord, that 2021, or maybe they're listening to it five years from now, that whatever year they're in, that Lord, that they would begin to have the best 
year of their life, not because of the external blessings or because life is all of a sudden easier or that problems cease to exist, but God, because what you want to do in me is greater than what you want to do for me. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to be receptive to your plan, to your purposes, and to your work. God, that you would help us to embrace the process that you have for us. Lord, we look for the solution, but God, I pray that you would help us to just look for the next step of where you want to take us. And that God, that you would give us patience and perseverance, patience for ourselves, and perseverance to make it through, God, when things are hard. I pray, God, that you would give us hope, Lord, in the middle of what is one of the most hopeless feeling times in history. Let your church, let your people of God be a beacon of hope in this world, like a light shining in darkness, God, pointing to you with everything we do and everything we are. And God, when we fail, when we fall, when we sin, when we mess up, help us to remember that it's not our mistakes that identify us. It's not our failures that label us. It's your word. And you call us child of God. God, I pray your blessing even if your blessings don't always look the way I thought they would look upon each and every one of us. And we pray it in the strong name of Jesus. And Lifehouse said amen.